Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. 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 There is no one, no one else like God. Praise the name of Jesus. God, we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. to the name of Jesus. No one else like the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Again, we thank the Lord for his presence in our midst, for guiding and directing us to be in the house of worship and directing us in his word and word and song. And I believe you will see us we go through this message that the Lord has aligned the music ministry with the word this morning. First Corinthians, first Kings, first Kings chapter 17. We're back where we were last week. And from what I gathered last night, we might be back here this morning. I mean, next Sunday morning, too, a little bit further along in this context of this account of Scripture. I want to thank those of you who made it out to worship this morning. Thank those of you who are faithful and those of you who desire to be faithful. And we want to encourage all of our members to come to worship. I know times are still kind of crucial with uh, serious with COVID-19 yet. Many of us do and go a lot of places and we feel safe. 
there's no reason for us not feeling safe coming to the house of the Lord when we do practice proper protocols to keep each other safe. I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's also remember those who are sick, those who are going through trials of affliction. 1 Kings chapter 17. And I didn't read the scripture earlier, did I? <laughs> That's okay. I'm reading it now. Same scripture. Praise the name of Jesus. Same scripture. Chapter 17, and I will begin reading at verse 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him, which means he died. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth, that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. I want to talk about refining faith for the glory of God. Refining faith for the glory of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing and that I might communicate, communicate clearly the word, the message that you've given to me, knowing that your word uh, will bless your people, will accomplish in our lives what you desire, and that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Be glorified now in this preaching moment. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Refining faith, refining faith for the glory of God. Okay. Looking at this text, I see that God is working to prove himself to a deceived people, to a stubborn and wayward people. All right? Uh, we, know, we know the history of the Israelites and we know the history of their relationship with, the, with Yahweh, the sovereign God, okay? From the time of their deliverance from Egypt 
There were times when they strayed away from God. Uh, following the, and, and I don't want to go through all of the history, but if you've been studying the word, you know the history of how they just kept straying. They come back, they strip, kept straying away from God. In the days of the judges, uh, the people did what was right in their own eyes. And when God established David as king, uh, then David established worship and centralized worship in, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, for the people to come and worship. But after the death of Solomon, <clears throat> there was a steady decay, uh, in uh, a steady decline in the faith of the people. Okay, after the death of Solomon, you see wicked kings. We see kings after the division of the kingdom. We see kings arise, especially in the north, uh, and then in the south, kings arise who began to uh, intermarry with people from other nations and began to bring their gods in, and we see other religions coming into Israel, and the people straying away from God following these idol gods. Farther and farther and farther and farther away from God, they strayed. And, and, and the problem, the problem really uh, boils down to the fact that the people were not totally committed to God, okay? And as they were not totally committed to God, they looked for simpler, more convenient, more logical alternatives that would appeal to human rationale, human manipulation, human sinful nature. God said they basically control. And, you know, as I was studying this, I, I asked the Lord, I said, I was beginning to pray and I said, Lord, what is it about idol worship that appeals to people? And I was going to include some of that in the message today, but it's actually too long. So either as the Lord directs me next Sunday or the Sunday afterwards, we're going to talk about idol worship and what, what makes idol worship so appealing. Uh, because it all, it, it, it all plays into this, and, and it plays into what we see happening uh, today in the church world. A lot of people are looking for a convenient God. But that's just a small, small part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> the issue is Yahweh does not operate like we operate. There was a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Is that not the scripture? Amen. Yahweh does not operate. And when I say Yahweh, we know who I'm talking about. Okay, generally we, we say God, and, but, but, but in the Bible, the Bible is more specific. Of course, the Jews would not pronounce the name Yahweh. Uh, they, they, in writing, they used the transliteration Y-H-W-H, and they, they, they begin calling him Jehovah, the covenant God. But they would not pronounce the name Yahweh. And I imagine many times when Orthodox Jews hear us hear us talk, and, and, and sometimes I think about the song, Yahweh, whatever that song says. Uh, you know, I said, you know, Orthodox Jews listen to us, and they say, how disrespectful Christians are. Words, we don't understand, uh, the, and we don't have the reverence that many of them would have, even for the name of the covenant God. And I don't think a lot of us think about things like that. I could be wrong, because I don't know what's in your mind. 
But he doesn't operate that. He like that. He he is the creator. He is the sovereign God who will not be figured out by man nor manipulated by man. He operates the way he chooses on a level uh, 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 and in a way that is consistent with his character and his prescribed standards. Okay? This text helps us see and experience the sovereign God operated on his level, and I should say this context, because if you, you have to tie last Sunday's message in with this Sunday's message and then what will follow because this is just a small portion of what God is doing in this situation. God is leading up to something with what he's doing right here, all right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, this text helps us in experience a sovereign God on his level, in his way, to refine a man's faith so that he can use this man to demonstrate to others that he is the only true and living God and consequently the only God who deserves our allegiance and our worship. So even though we lift these things out of this whole context, we need to put them back together so we can see what God is doing. Okay, all right, and this is so important. But, but why? why? Why Why? does God go through what he goes through with these people? I mean, all God has to do is just wipe them off the face of the earth, just kill them all. Have you ever felt like, God, just kill them all? But if, if we felt like that, then God would have to kill us too. Amen. Sometimes we want God to, do, to revenge people for us, and we forget about that we did wrong too, and somebody might want revenge on, on us from God. Yeah, yeah. So why, why does he do this? Why, why, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does this because he loves his people. He wants the best for his people, and he gives his people the opportunity to repent and to live faithfully in covenant with him. But the bottom line is the choice still remains ours. God does not take away freedom of choice. So sometimes when you see people, you say, I wonder why. Because they have the freedom to do what they want to do. But it's not what God expects. It's not what God wants out of people who have come into covenant relationship with him. All right. Let me say here, just in case anybody is confused, when you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you have come into covenant relationship with the sovereign God. Amen? That's what we mean when we talk about covenant people. So you've accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, whether you did it when you were a child, because if you did it when you were a child, you were old enough to know what you were doing. You should have been. And so God expects you to walk, to grow, and this is part of parents' responsibility, to help that child grow in covenant with him. Amen. Yeah. So whether you did it as a child or whether you did it as, a, as an adult, you have entered into a covenant relationship with the sovereign God. Amen. And, 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 and God won't force us to worship him. God won't, won't f force us to be obedient to him. 
Rather, he chooses to give us sufficient evidence to make the right choice in worshiping him as the only true living sovereign God. Now, in this process, and, and if, 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 if things disconnect somewhere along the way, just listen and it'll, it'll come back together because I may not say everything that I wrote down, okay? Now, now, because God chooses to work with human beings through other human beings, he chose Elijah. He chose Elijah, the prophet, to work through, to proclaim truth, and to call his people back to, re- to him in repentance. In this context... We know the story. Elijah prophesied that there was going to be a drought in the land because of Israel's sin and Israel's continued worship of Baal. Now, this is significant. Drought drought meant that there was no rain. All right. There was no rain coming. All right. This is significant. This is significant because Baal, a Baal, excuse me, I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, Baal, is the God of the weather. He's the God of rain. Okay. He's the, he, it even ties into fertility, making the earth fertile and moist. And, 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 and then, you know, this thing, this thing just went downhill with Baal worship because you get into the fertility cults and, you know, they, in in Israel, these people would have these high places, uh, you read in the Bible talking about high places on the hills and on the mountains and on certain trees where they could worship Baal anywhere they wanted to. And in the temple cult, it got into sexual uh, interactions in the temple because they believed that wherever you, wherever you worship Baal, that, that would transfer to wherever you needed to go. So it just, it just went downhill, totally against the standard of the sovereign God. But he's the, Baal is the God of, of the weather, the God of rain. And, and, and these people, Israel has joined in with the Canaanites and others and began worshiping Baal. And God sends Elijah to call the people back to repentance. And one of the things God uses is drought. And he uses drought because Baal is not living. Baal is not powerful. Baal cannot cause rain to come. And when God says there's no rain, there's no rain. There's no rain. There's no rain. There's no rain. But again, you look at this and you see that that Baal and Baalism, a Baalism, is not really the problem. The problem is the hearts of the people, the Israelites, not the Canaanites, Mm -mm. not the Philistines, not the Amorites, not anybody else. The people who are supposed to be in covenant relationship with God, their hearts are not right. So God sends Elijah. God sends Elijah, first of all, after he proclaims the drought, you know the story to the brook of Cherith, and God sends ravens to provide for Elijah. So in this drought, Elijah is being provided for in the drought. And, 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 and he's gone to prophesy uh, to Israel, and then he goes over into the, into the 
area of Zidon, which later on is called Phoenicia, which, which today would be Beirut, Lebanon, the Lebanon area, okay? And, 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 and he sends him to Zarephath. He says, I've commanded a, winner, a widow to provide for you. Now, Zarephath is significant because Zarephath means place of refining, place of testing, place of refining. So at Zarephath, Elijah's faith is going to be tested and refined. Mm. And Elijah's faith needs to be tested and needs to be refined because there is a greater assignment that's going to come. So God moves in steps, just like he does with us. You know, you're a baby in Christ. He doesn't give you the major assignments. You may want the major assignments, but he doesn't give you the major assignments because you're not ready yet. You know, the Bible even says you don't allow a novice to be a pastor of a church. A person may want to be, but there are steps of, of maturation that has to take place. And you only mature as you are nourished properly, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and you grow in this thing, in your faith. So there's steps to take place. That's a greater assignment. And as I was preparing this, I realized I couldn't preach the whole thing today, even though, you know, I try to preach the whole thing. <laughs> so let me note here that we, are, that we never refine our own faith. You cannot set up situations where you're going to refine your faith. That's not your job. It's not my job. Only God can set up situations where our faith is refined because God knows what needs to happen in our lives to refine our faith. Okay? Now, okay, this is key because Elijah never would have chosen to do the things that God had him do. He wouldn't have. That's, that's why later on you see when God uses him to speak against Jezebel, and Jezebel threatens him. You know, we talk about Elijah being, being uh, some people say he was schizophrenic. He went into a state of depression or what have you. No, he was just being human because he wouldn't have chosen to do the things that God had him do. And it took faith in God and it took listening to God and obeying God to step out and to do what God wanted him to do. In the natural, Elijah probably was very fearful in the natural, Elijah probably resisted some things and didn't want to say, but in obedience to God, he had to do what God wanted him to do. Yep, 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 yep. So God knew what needed to be done in Elijah's life and Elijah's faith. God knows what needs to be done in my life, in your life, and for our faith to get us to the place where he can use us for his glory. For his glory, not for people's glory. This is never about people. So whenever we preach to excite people, we've missed the point. Whenever we sing to invite people, to excite people, or to make people feel good, we've missed the point. Amen? Whenever we come to worship to make other people feel good, we have missed the point. Hmm. So what we see in this process is God proving himself 
to be the only true and living God. That's what God is doing here. He is proving himself to be the only true and living God. And Elijah is being used in the process. And the widow of Zarephath gets used in the process. He sends a prophet to a widow who he commanded to sustain Elijah during the drought in this country in Zidon or in Phoenicia. Baal is the God that they worship. Baal is a weather God. He controls the rain. He was he, he's, he control he is the one that they thought controlled the rain. Amen. He was a God they worshiped for rain, for good weather, for good crops, for fertility, and so forth. When God sent the drought, Baal, of course, could not end the drought because he had no power to do it which in their minds, in the people's minds, according to some commentators, meant that Baal was dead or Baal was impotent or Baal could not perform. And that's what God was showing the people. Baal is not real. Baal is impotent. Baal is, power, is powerless. Whatever you worship beside, other than the true and the living God is impotent. Powerless to do for you what needs to be done. But here in this passage, we encounter Elijah, the widow and his son, uh, in the midst of this drought-stricken land. These three survive. And I'm going to say they thrive because when you consider the fact that for three long years they had bread to eat and water to drink when there was drought in the land, other people were probably dying. But how, how, how did this happen? How did they survive? How was it, was it that these three people in the midst of a drought-stricken land where other people were probably dying still had provision and still were alive? This is a great question to be given the opportunity to answer in the midst of a people who are serving this false God who could not end the drought. I hope I said that right. Did you get what I was saying? This is a great question to be given the opportunity. And then the Bible, the New Testament says to us that we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies in us. God set this situation up so that this lady in Zarephath in, the, in, in Zidon, in her community, where everybody else was suffering and starving, amen, and drought was stricken and had stricken the land, this lady and her son and Elijah were surviving. So somebody had to ask the question, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? In verses 14 through 16, we see the answer. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the, lay, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal did not waste, did not end. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So how did they do it? Because God said it. Amen. The true and the living God, the true God of Israel said that this 
would happen. That's how she did it. So she had an opportunity to give an answer for the faith that was in her. I wonder how many times did God give us the opportunity to give an answer for the faith that's in us. But he, he's going to set up the situation. Don't miss what God is doing. Even when it seems like you're suffering, don't miss what God is doing. Don't be so caught up in yourself. Don't be so caught up in what's going on around you that you miss what God is doing. Yeah. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. When others, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move a little bit further in this text, all right? So another move of the text. The Lord's been dealing with about moves of the text. Another move of the text. Even when it seems like disaster would discredit the person, Elijah, the prophet, and discredit the God of Israel, Yahweh, when it seemed like disaster would discredit him. Yahweh proved himself to be faithful and powerful. What do you mean, Bishop? Now remember, God sends Elijah to Zarephath, the place of refining. Elijah's faith is being refined. All right? God wasn't finished with Elijah when he told the woman, to make the, the, give him water to make the cake of bread. And God proved it. God wasn't finished yet. All right? Yeah. And not only was God refining Elijah's faith, but God now had another soon-to-be witness of refined faith. You see, people need to know that the Lord is God. So what's the situation? The widow's son gets seriously sick. And dies in bald country. All right. Bald country is critical to the sex now. All right. Because these people have started worshiping Baal. The Israelites have started worshiping Baal. And God has performed the miracle. God has given them, has started sustaining them. The oil, the, the flour did not waste, did not end. The oil did not dry up when there was a drought in the land and nobody else probably except the rich people. You know how rich people can be. You know, sometimes we miss that, you know. Yeah, sometimes we miss that. Because while we're up here fighting about stuff that we can't afford, some of us, to fight about, they're living a totally different world. Sometimes I think about this pandemic and, and what people really need to be doing and they're listening to some of the stuff that, they, that people are talking about, you know. And if they get sick, they have the money to get the best medicine in the world. You don't believe that there's a difference in the way treatment is done in, in hospitals? Have a good insurance as opposed to a bad insurance. You'll see the difference. You'll see the difference. Anyway, anyhow, but, 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 just follow me just a little bit longer. All right, yeah. So, so this, this lady's son, who has, who has had the opportunity to talk about 
the sovereign God, the God of Israel who provides, who sustains life, who performed the miracle so that they could have food to eat and water to drink in the drought. Now, her son dies in Baal country, the place where God is proving to his people that he is a sovereign God. Verse 17 says, and it came to pass after these things, after these things, after these things, after what God has already done, that the son of the woman died, the owner of the house. The son of the woman, the owner of the house fell sick, and the sickness was so serious that there was no breath in him. He died. Saints, God is all, I mean, excuse me, Satan is always at work trying to make you question your faith in the sovereign God. Always, always. He wants to pull you away, you and me, away from God. The experiences that we had in the past that proved to us that God was faithful. The devil is always prowling around looking for an opportunity to create a situation to make you say, God, are you real? Are you really true? You say, Bishop, how? That doesn't happen in my situation. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So apparently it happens in some of our situations. Why? Because we're really quick to forget what God has done. We are. And we see it right here in the text. Yeah, yeah. This woman who God has performed the miracle for already, it's not get the miracle that the lady experienced. I am about, when Elijah comes into town, he said, get me some water. God had commanded her, and I, I preached that last week, to sustain Elijah. So she probably didn't know. She didn't recognize what was happening. But, but she was willing to give him some water. But as he was going, Elijah said, make me a cake of bread. She said, as the Lord lives, I don't have enough food, enough meal, enough flour and oil to make you a cake of bread. I was about, and I, I'm not saying it like the text said. She said, I was about to make my last pan of bread. Cake of bread, the Bible says, one translation. You see me? I was just gathering a few sticks. And I was going to make a fire, make my bread, and my son and I were going to eat it. We were going to go to bed and die. Elijah said, nope. Make me, he said, do as, do as you said, but make me a cake of bread first and then go back and make one for you and your son. That was the first miracle because when she did what God said, she made it lot. Remember, she said she only had enough for one cake of bread. But Elijah said, make mine first. And she made his first. I don't know, maybe that's what old people got the concept from taking care of the man of God. It's a different generation in a lot of senses. Amen. Because we don't understand that. But still, that's not the message. The Lord is good. Amen. The Lord provides. And many of you know how to take care of your man of God. But, but, but that was the miracle. 
Because when she made his, she had enough to make one for her and her son. And not just for that day, but every day. But that was the initial miracle. But now, her son dies. And she immediately says to Elijah, Oh, you man of God, what have I to do to you? Did you come to me to call my sins to remembrance and to kill my son? Wait a minute. God just saved your son's life. Both you and your son would have been dead. You wouldn't have been standing here asking me this question if it had not been for God. And now you're asking that if you come here, did I come here to kill your son? But this is the important part of this text. She goes to Elijah. Elijah is in Zarephath, the place of refining. The question is, Elijah, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do, Elijah? Your decision at this point will be the difference between the success and failure of your purpose in Zarephath. Your decision will be the difference between the success or the failure of this refining moment. And it will be the final outcome of your mission in Zidon. This is key right here, saints. We live in the heart of Baalism today. People may not think about it, but when you look at it from a scriptural perspective, right here in America, this is why I really need to go back and do this teaching on Baal Baal worship and why Baal worship is so appealing to people because people are caught up in Baal worship and don't realize it today. Today. Maybe not every aspect of it, but it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. Amen. You don't have to do everything wrong. You can do 50 things right and one thing wrong, you're still wrong. Wrong is just wrong. We are in the heart of Baalism today, right here in America. Many people are worshiping Baal today. We, have, we, we, we don't call it Baal, but symbolically that's what we are doing. Many have turned from the true and the living God right in our midst clergy and lay people right in your midst right in your own family people have turned from the true and the living God God said clergy and lay Elijah would be called clergy the widow of Zarephath would be called lay person a lay person from our perspective today so it's not just in the midst of the pastor because sometimes we think well you know uh, pastor got to deal with all that. No, you got to deal with Baalism right in your own house, right in your own family. But you got to recognize it to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Satan is attacking us where it hurts. And if you don't have children, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. If you don't have, excuse me, I thought I'd turn this down. I put it there so I can watch my time. <laughs> if you don't have children or people that you love significantly, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. But Satan is after our children. He's after our children. 
How many parents? I'm sure my parents cried over me. I'm sure they, 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 they were sorrowful over me and some of the things I did in my life. And sometimes children don't understand. Children say, well, this is my life. I live it the way I want to live. But you don't know how it affects your family, especially if they're people of the faith, and they want what's best for you. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I did things to hurt my parents, and I look back and I say, Lord, forgive me for what I did. My son has done things to hurt me. I know I'm on Facebook Live, but I'm just telling the truth. All of us did things, you know. There was a time in my life, and I would try to remember who I was, not in God, but who I was as my father's son and my mother's son, and seeing people trying to be faithful to God, and I was living a life that did not glorify God. Some things I try to keep hidden and covered up because I didn't want them to know. But God knew. God knew. Many times a day, we, 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 people say that this is the, the, the mindset of, 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 of millennials. They don't want to accept the same standards as their parents. But the thing about it is, God says, I am God, I do not change. God's standard doesn't change whether it's 1950 or 2021. God is still God. And God's standard does not change. And God's, the consequences for sin do not change. Yeah. Satan hits us where it hurts. Sometimes as young people, we're very impressionable. We are. We think we know. And, and that's the mindset in every generation. I just have to remind my son sometimes, son, I was a teenager one time. I was 21 one time. I thought I knew everything that that was. No. I thought my parents were old-fashioned and old fogey, and, 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 and they didn't know what they were talking about. It's a new day. It's a different day. Anyhow, yeah. Satan hits us where, where it hurts us because he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Who came and took her son, killed her son. But she'd forgotten. She'd forgotten so quickly about the drought that had almost killed her son. If it had not been for the Lord, both of them would have died during the drought. Out of her own mouth, she had said to Elijah on the day he arrived, and I just said that, that, that she was preparing to die. Out of her own mouth. But quickly, she forgot. We quickly forget the God who brought us through. The God who brought us out. The God who took us out of our past troubles and our past headaches. We'll forget. Maybe not People who've grown in the faith, but many people, I should say, will forget. Will forget. But what about, what about, what about Elijah? God has sent him to this place of refining. The undepleted supply of flour and oil and water that was sustaining them was only the first part of the refining process. Now, Elijah. This woman's son, who was kept alive during the drought, has died. And in comes the second part of the process. 
Elijah, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do now? Now, let me remind us, this is not about Elijah. This is not about the woman. This is not about her son. All right? This is about the sovereign God who loves his people, doesn't want to destroy his people, all right, giving them an opportunity to repent, giving them a real-life picture that he, that Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, is the true and living God who not only controls the weather and provides good crops, but is also the giver and the sustainer of life. Oh, people need to know that today. They need to know that today. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for science. But it's God that's keeping us. Amen. It's God that's sustaining us. Thank God for the scientists and all of the studies that they do about earthquakes and weather patterns around the world and about global warming. But ultimately, it is God who will keep this earth. Amen. Until he gets ready to destroy this earth. Ooh. Yeah. Now, now, so what, what are you going to do, Elijah? Well, let me remind you of something that I preach, and you've heard me say this a lot. I preached this some time ago. You can't do until you be. Being comes first, not doing. Okay? Elijah was a man of God. Okay? Now he's called to do something. His doing has to come out of his being. Look at verses 19 through 21. All right. So, and he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let the child's soul come back to him. Hmm. Yeah. Now, 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 don't make what Elijah did a law unto itself. Because if you go take somebody's child a day and stretch them out on the bed and you lay on on three times, the police might get called and you might go to jail. <sighs> Ooh, amen. Sometimes some, some people read the Bible and they'll take it literally. You got to have wisdom and ask God for guidance as you understand these scriptures, okay? Look at this in the spirit and see this man of faith whose faith was being refined, refusing to cast out faith, all right, and trust, but see him crying out to God, amen, and doing in that moment what he sensed God leading him to do. And hear him say, oh, Lord, my God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing, but I pray that you would let this child's soul come back. Let his, let his, let his life, let his consciousness come back into him. Now, we learn studying theology that the soul and the spirit don't die. The body dies. 
Amen. The body dies, but the soul and the spirit live. So let it come back. Let his life, let his life come back here. Come back in. So, so now notice what else Elijah doesn't, what Elijah does. He doesn't engage the woman. He doesn't get caught up in the emotionalism of the moment. Sometimes we miss God because we get so emotional that we can't allow, we don't allow the spirit to speak to us. And I know you say, well, we're human. We can't help it. Somebody posted on Facebook. <laughs> said that if you're, at, if you're at a funeral, you know, they used to make these shoes for men with those long pointed toes, tip pointed up. Somebody posted on Facebook. What would you do if you were at a funeral crying and you looked and you opened your eyes and you saw this? <laughs> and I was the one who said, I would just fall out laughing. We do have control of our emotions. We have control of our emotions. We just need to, we need to exercise that control. A lot of times we just lose it and we don't exercise that control. Yeah. So he doesn't engage the emotions. He said, give me your son. He takes him up to his room. You know what happens. You see, it's right there in the test, in the text. And Elijah goes directly to God, directly to God. Elijah was direct with God. Lord, what's happening? Why did you do this? And then he says, Lord, I pray. I pray. Let the son, the soul of this child come back into him. And then God did what Elijah said. And the son was revived. It wasn't Elijah's prayer that was important. What was important here is that God again proved himself to this woman to be the sovereign God who gives and sustains life. When death is all around, when there's drought, when there's devastation, it is the sovereign God who gives and sustains. This is about God. This is about the sovereign God. Elijah passed the test. His faith was being refined. He could have cast out faith. He could have got caught up in the moment. He could have started feeling and tried to, tried to uh, comfort the woman and, and hug the woman and pat the woman and say, oh, I understand. Let's pray. Let's... No, no, no. He said, give me your son. And he goes directly to God. Goes directly to God. Goes directly to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. In a nation that worshiped the false god by the name of Baal. Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, proved himself to be the true and the living God who gives and sustains life. Saints, we are living in the heart of Baalism, of Baalism, as I said earlier. Hedonism, humanism, individualism, and a lot of other isms today right where we live. People are being led astray by their own evil passions. People need to know that the Lord Jehovah is God. We are right in their midst, and they are right in their midst, and many times we are being silent. God is, in, and God is putting us in situations to refine, refine our faith so that we will stand in faith and be willing to speak in the midst of what we see going on around us. 
Well, maybe we need to identify what we see going on around us. Maybe we need to identify Baal worship, the, 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 the whole concept of Baal worship. So, so you need to tune in either next Sunday or next Sunday as we talk about this whole concept of Baal worship. Because I really don't think people see what's happening. People don't see what's happening. Think about Israel. Think about Israel's faith. Think about this. Jerusalem was where the temple was. Far and near, the people had to go to Jerusalem to worship. Baalism, a god was in every house, almost like Buddhism. There were high places in every town, every city. There was worship under the trees, under big, under the big trees, the limbs. Convenience. What do your people say today? We want convenience. We want to be able to go to worship, get out, do whatever we want to do. I was talking to a man the other day, and he was saying, he came to do some work, and I said, he was asking me where I pastored. I said, well, what church do you go to? He said, well, I used to go to such and such a church, but now I started going with my daughter to such and such a church. And she said, my daughter just loves it because they get it. They go in and they get out. I said, yeah, but it's not a whole lot of accountability, is it? But people look for convenience. People look for for what satisfies their taste. But when you look at God, he wasn't concerned about Israel's convenience. He's a God of sacrifice. And if he sacrificed, what does he expect from his people? He expects sacrifice. Sacrifice. I was thinking this morning about how many times I would just rather lay in my bed and go to sleep and sleep as long as I want to sleep and not worry about preaching on Sunday. God says, that's a sin. If it takes you all week long to labor over a sermon to deliver to my people, you make that sacrifice. If it takes you getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to minister to someone, you make that sacrifice. Because I am not concerned about your convenience. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, who was equal with God, thought of not robbery, thought of not something to grasp, his equality with God, not something to grasp and use for his own benefit. But he humbled himself, took on the form of a man, and came into this world, lived to show God to us. Was it convenient? God says, my people need to know that I am the true and the living God, not just because we sing it, but because we live it in honor of him. And he will produce situations in your life to refine your faith. And the refining of your faith will turn out to the glory of God. One last thing and I'm done. Look at the end of the text. 
Verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, because Elijah took her son, I'm sorry, verse 23, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth, that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Yes, yeah, she was thinking and crediting Elijah, but ultimately the glory went to God. Why? God refined Elijah's faith so that he, God, would get the glory. Elijah doesn't do like, didn't do like a whole lot of us. Oh, yeah. Now let me go out and start healing everybody else. The glory went to God. God is in the process of refining our faith. Is it an easy process? No, it's not easy. We would much rather go do something else. God has put you in situations to refine your faith. How you responded? How? What's your testimony in the midst of the people that you live among, that you work among? What situations arise that God has put you in that will refine your faith? We're living in Zarephath, in our own Zarephath. God has presented situations to refine our faith. The way we respond makes all the difference in the world. If you're still caught up in yourself and you got to have the glory, you won't respond correctly to what God is doing. Whether you're young, whether you're old, you're caught up in self. And you have to be honored. You have to be glorified. You have to be credited. You have to be right. You won't respond properly to what God is doing. And the people that God put you in the midst of won't benefit from your refined faith. Amen. Let's stand. I pray that the word spoke to us today. There's a word to the people of faith. There's a word to challenge us in our walk with the Lord. That even today, we can't take God lightly. We can't miss what God is doing around us. We want to be liked by people, but more so, we should want God to be pleased with our lives, with the decisions that we make the things that we do. I'm not telling us to be like a bull in a china shop. 
Because that's not the way the Lord operates. Remember a prophecy about Jesus. is a bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will not put the fire out. He knows how to gently and lovingly challenge people to return to faith in him. He wants us to be like him. What he doesn't want is for us to live and don't pay attention to what's going around us, on, around us and keep our mouths closed. When situations are presented to us that should refine our faith and bring us to the point where God is glorified as the true and the living God. The only true and living God. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you empty or void or fruitless. Your word will accomplish what you desire. And you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Help us that we will be like Elijah, that we will perceive you and perceive what you're doing in our lives, that we will humbly submit that you might refine our faith so that your name is glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com that's tabernacle of praise at msn.com give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you also we would like for you to sow into this ministry if you've been blessed by this work by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and you would like to help further this cause we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.